This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. And welcome to Sightlines, your guide to the visual arts in and around Dunedin. I'm Sally McMillan and this show is brought to you on behalf of the Dunedin Public Art Gallery Society. Last month we spoke to two final year students from the Otago Polytechnic School of Art. We asked them about their work and their plans for the future after getting a fine arts degree under their belt. We learned about the challenges faced by talented emerging artists trying to make a living from their art. This month, we are featuring a woman who's had a successful artistic career. Jane Dodd has been described as Dunedin's grande dame of jewellery. She creates fabulous work from her studio in Opaho. We'll be talking to Jane about her extraordinary career, which spans over 30 years, and asking about the inspiration behind her outstanding catalogue of work. But first, here's Ross Curry with Snapshot, your guide to what's new in the Dunedin art world. Ross, what have you got for us? Well, Sally, I've been visiting outlets in Dunedin that stock work of local contemporary jewellers. Over some decades, I've brought my partner in New Zealand, made contemporary jewellery and have come to appreciate the art form. I found a huge range of jewellery from local jewellers and was impressed by the talent, creativity and artisanship. The range of styles, materials and designs and the sheer artistry means lovers of contemporary jewellery have a huge choice. Sounds very exciting to me, Ross. Tell us, give us some examples of what you've found. Well, at Gallery De Novo in Lower Stewart Street, for instance, I saw a great selection of colourful hand-beaded brooches by Shelley McConaughey. Shelley is a graduate of the Dunedin School of Art, and the beads are from her grandmother's collection of brooches. So that's quite a nice mixture of old and new there. Also at Gallery De Novo is work from Holly Howe, who works in silver and gold with finely sculptured shapes that reflect her interest in architecture. Around the corner in Murray Place at the Quadrant Gallery, the range of materials and the works on sale includes local stones, basalt, argillite, power and jade. Work by Kobe Bosshart, the father of contemporary New Zealand jewellery, is available. When you go there, remember to look through the drawers. There's more to see there than what's on display. And I think there's other work just around the corner in Moray Gallery, Ross. There is, but also at um, Gallery um, at the Quadrant Gallery is work by Ray Wade, who's a society member, and there's a good range of his jewellery on display. Ray works mainly in silver, but he's a lapidarist and uses a range of local and semi-precious stones in his work. So the Mori Gallery was also really interesting, Sally, around the corner. A number of Dunedin-based jewellers have work on display. Octavia Cook, based in Port Chalmers, recently featured in a show at the Dunedin Public Art Gallery. And there's a fine selection of her cameo brooches and pendants crafted in silver and plastic at the Moray Gallery. I was taken with the work by Dunedin-based Ross Malcolm. His unique work is complex and unearthly shades. Ross is inspired by his nature walks, environmental issues and seasonal shifts. Another jeweller, Victoria McIntosh, hunts through Dunedin's second-hand shops for treasures, and she incorporates them into her creations. And I think you also ventured to Guild Ross in Lower Stewart Street? I did, and there were two quite contrasting local jewellers that feature in the Guild shop. 
Chris Ida's work is quite formal. He works in silver, gold and precious stones. And they had a nice range of rings by Chris. Another jeweller at the Guild is Susan Vidler, another Dunedin School of Art graduate, who has a more eclectic design approach and incorporates a range of glass, silver, bone and gold and precious stones in her work. Well, thanks, Ross. That sounds like the local jewellery scene is thriving. And now it's time for Viewpoint, our monthly feature. Today, Dunedin artist Jane Dodd has swapped her Opaho jewellery studio for our recording studio to talk to us about her life and work. Jane, welcome to Sightlines. Kia Sally. Now, our Dunedin listeners may remember you as part of the Verlaines and the Chills, as well as the Abel Tasmans, and the clip we've just listened to is My Name is Peter Keane, uh, from your album Store in a Cool Place, and it, it features you, I think, on bass. Yes, um, and some BVs. Excellent. Is it fair to say then that music was your first creative love? Um, I really loved playing music and um, I loved that process. But it, for me it wasn't really such a, a creative process as a social process um, or social activity. I was never a songwriter as such. Um, so for me it was just... A, a love of the music, a love of the people, a love of getting up on stage and doing that and um, the whole thing around it and the, all the beautiful happenings that right. happened. Mm. And I think, although as a, as a young person you did actually, like most of us, want to be a singer-songwriter, I believe. <laughs> I did sort of hope that that was the case, but I had a terrible voice, so I wasn't ever going to do that. small technical problem. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I guess you found then ultimately music wasn't really your thing, but jewellery, yeah. your thing? Jewellery is definitely my thing. I mean, music has always, uh, I'm very passionate about it, I love it, but um, it was never going to be a career for me. Um, even as a supporting person, I wasn't really didn't have the technical chops. And when I kind of realised that um, doing something in the visual arts, it was almost like a homecoming for me. It, it made sense, and I realised that that's where my particular talents slide. What a great find. Mm, yeah. yeah. So I think your involvement in the Dunedin Sound was during your time at Otago University. What did you study? Um, I did a BA in all the sort of... Uh, loose subjects that were kind of easy to get into and probably easy to pass. Um, I did uh, anthropology, history, phenomenology of religion, um, Māori language, philosophy. All very mind-expanding but not yes. necessarily career-orientated. No, no <laughs> career-orientation, but it gave me a sort of a, a broad education, which is valuable. Very um, valuable yeah. indeed. Mm. So I think you subsequently went on to study fine arts um, in Auckland, but what happened between times that caused you to take a different artistic um, direction? Well, I I went I moved to Auckland and I got a job at the Fine Arts Library in in Auckland, which uh, was uh, sort of sustained me for a long, long time, both in financially, but also with a sort of a an exposure to the art world and. 
then a couple of friends and I decided that we were going to take a trip and we decided we wanted to go to Mexico. And so uh, in 1989, I think it was, we um, spent six, nearly six months travelling around Mexico and through the United States. And that was a real game changer for me because it was the first time that I'd really kind of been struck by how corporate and cold New Zealand seemed in its sort of um, built environment and its um, its physical uh, nature and how in Mexico the hand of the artist or you know be them amateur or professional was on almost everything that you saw so you know walls were painted ceramics were hand-built, people wore these incredible um, fabrics that were all hand-woven and it was just mind-blowingly sort of exciting to see such colour mm. and the, t- the touch of, of the human hand on so much. So I decided that, um, that this was something that I really wanted to do. Originally I thought it was going to be ceramics but then as, I, um, as things went on it became jewellery. Mm. Yeah. So I think um, when you came back to grey old New Zealand, yeah. <laughs> uh, you went to Unitech? Yes, yeah, I did. And um, were you that typical razor-sharp focus adult student at the age of 30? <laughs> I was. I was completely nerdy and the, all the kids in the class were all kind of um, 18 and, you know, having all their dramas and kind of, yeah. It uh, sounds very tedious. <laughs> you know, trying to work out who they were going to go out with and all those kind of things and also probably you know getting really drunk at night and that sort of thing but I was um, really determined to kind of get the most out of my Mm. education and so I was the nerdy 30 year old in the class of 18 year olds. Excellent and I think you said you started out in ceramics as a bounce off the wonderful stuff that you'd seen in Mexico but at some point you change to jewellery? Yeah, that, that was almost a practical decision really. I, um, in, at the at Unitech at the time, it, it was obvious that, that the ceramics department were not quite as functional as the, as the jewellery department in terms of what they could supply the, their students with. Um, and also the logistics of doing, of creating a, a ceramics practice became sort of quite soon, you know, a, a, quite an ambitious thing. I mean, it can, of course it can be done and lots of people do it, but I could see that with jewellery it was a very easy kind of discipline to become s- hmm. sort of functional. Yeah. And so uh, that was one reason. And another reason is that... And when I was making ceramics, people kept saying, why don't you make something bigger? And for some reason, they always made little things. So uh, There was a hint there. So I think it was, it really was that uh, the jewellery, um, just p- both the technical aspects and the scale aspects, um, it just became kind of my thing, really. Yeah, and I, and I guess your work since then, um, as you've just highlighted, is little stuff, little things. Yeah, well, increasingly big, uh, but still jewellery, still yes. wearable. I mean, I do do a few things nowadays which aren't wearable. So uh, I wouldn't want people to think that I'm making 
like uh, precious diamond rings or anything mm-hmm. like that. That's not my thing at all. Um, I use carving a lot in jewellery. So in terms of jewellery, it's kind of big scale, but yes. in terms of life, it's little scale. Yeah. Mm. It's interesting to talk to you about your sort of decision making around what work you will do, what type of Mm -hmm. fine art you will engage in, if you like. And I guess last month we spoke to two soon-to-be grads from Otago Polytech School of Art about how they anticipate things will be for them when they graduate. Mm -hmm. Um, And a bit depressingly, both of them are resigned to having to find work outside their creative realm in order to be able to pay the bills. Was that your experience also after having left Unitech? Yes and no. I maintained uh, my part-time job at the Fine Arts Library throughout my studies at Unitech and then probably for the next 10 years or something like that um, while I was also making jewellery. So I always had that, you know, a bit of income coming in from that and I think that's really, you know, absolutely necessary because, you know, it's very, very difficult to make a living. Mm. But I went into a shared workshop with... uh, three other women jewellers. I was very lucky to um, uh, find a, a space there. Um, and that was Workshop 6, Workshop I think, 6, yeah. yeah. And um, that was a wonderful sort of exercise in how, you know, a group can come together and you can amass your um, your tools, you can uh, um, divide the rent, um, you can create something that's bigger than what anyone individually can do. And so that's what mm. I would encourage the graduates to consider. And I think they do do that. Um, it's, and also it just feeds into your practice because you're with you're, you're not all by yourself in, the, in yeah. the workshop. You're exposed to other people's techniques and uh, you can help each other with pro- problem mm. solving. And you have a sort of a camaraderie and a um, collegiality, which is means that the whole thing is much more fun. And I guess holistically um, very supportive. Very, very. And, you know, those people are still my best mates. You know, they're very, very good friends. Um, Even though we don't Mm. work together anymore, we've kind of got that lifelong uh, connection now. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, a workshop six is quite famous in in New Zealand terms. Mm. How long did you stay there for? I think I was there for about 15 minutes or something like that. Uh, 15, 15 minutes. minutes? Gosh, that wasn't long. <laughs> 15 years. Yeah, I, when I started there, actually, I was a day renter. I went rented two yeah. days a week. But then quite soon, um, Lisa Walker, who's probably one of New Zealand's most famous jewellers, um, decided to go to Germany to study. And so I took up her position as one of the the partners. And Okay. Um, yeah. And so after that 15 minutes or 15 years, mm, whatever mm. the case may be, you moved to Dunedin with your yes, partner, Auckland's yeah. Loss Our Gain. Yeah. Um, did that move mark any change in your work, Jane? Um, I think it did. Already in Auckland, I was beginning to sort of make works that were uh, based on carving more than um, what I'd been doing previously, which was kind of silversmithing, goldsmithing, Um uh, making works out of precious metals, which is uh, easier to do in a combined studio. But once I started carving, then not only is 
the dust flying, but the machines are noisier and it's um, it's just not as um, conducive to a shared workshop. So when I moved back to Dunedin, I, um, I built my workshop in my home and that gave me a... Uh, um, facility to kind of do whatever I wanted and so I was much more free to sort of ex- experiment with with different techniques that I yeah. hadn't been able to do so easily. So quite free and creatively. It was, it was, yeah. And uh, I think I was kind of ready intellectually for it too, you know, and creatively it was. Yeah. Mm. So as well as living in both Auckland and Dunedin, um, you've been really lucky to have studied and exhibited overseas back in the olden days when going overseas was a thing. (laughs) Um, And I know you've had some amazing career highlights which have included a UK Creative New Zealand research trip, Um, you've had other Creative New Zealand grants, you had a 2015 solo show in San Francisco um, and you were at Schmuck in Munich in 2017. Um, How did those overseas experiences inform and enrich your work? The research grant I got from Creative New Zealand to study um, interactions between ornament and folklore, uh, which was in, uh, what did you say, 2015, was it? Long time ago, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, That was a gift from Creative New Zealand that just keeps on giving. Uh, I spent that time just travelling around UK and Europe, a lot in Germany as well, just looking at um, uh, museums and collections and um, meeting with curators and that sort of thing. And uh, just really enriched my uh, visual kind of library, my in-brain library of, of ideas and um, concepts, and which I still very much uh, getting, you know, I continue to feed off. Still draw on it today. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Um, Schmuck was very much part of the jewellery scene. Schmuck is a big curated exhibition in Munich every year, although, of course, it's been cancelled for the last two years, um, which is a, it's sort of a competition to get in, and uh, they choose um, about 50 or 60 jewellers every year, um, and hundreds apply. Uh, so it's very prestigious to get into it. And when you go there, they have this the, the Schmuck exhibition, but... Munich becomes a sort of a centre for contemporary jewellery um, exhibitions and events. So all around Munich, mm-hmm. there's a whole lot of um, stuff going on, and jewellers come from all over the world to enjoy schmuck. An so, amazing accomplishment for you to be selected. It was, to um, you know, it's really really um, fantastic to get in in the first Mm. place but that was very much going to nerdy jewellery land you know it's sort of um, as opposed to what I did um, on my Creative New Zealand grant um, which was looking at all sorts of art and all sorts of craft in a very wide Mm. context Schmuck was um, very much jewellery and what's going on at the forefront of of contemporary jewellery, yeah. which is quite sort of a challenging sort of discipline. Yes, mm. yeah. Mm. 
I want to talk to you briefly about your body of work and the themes that have run through that. And a strong theme, particularly in the last 15 years, has been the relative places of humans and animals in the natural world. And um, you've talked about humans' presumption of supremacy over other animals. And, and for example, um, I think in your book, uh, you've said, I want to challenge our ideas of animal intelligence and berate us for thinking that we are above or distinct from the natural world. I want us to feel that we are being watched that stock is being taken, I want us not to get away with it, which is just a a beautiful paragraph of words. What does that quote tell us about your body of work? Well, my work now is very much about storytelling. It's about kind of creating kind of a a sort of a what-if moment or a a sort of a a snapshot that could be in the middle of a, a, a folk tale. And so what I try and do is create a picture of an animal kind of presenting us with a challenge or telling off or something like that, you know. So my work is all, it's character driven, you know, I like Mm. to create characters that kind of give us... Sorry, I guess I see them sometimes as some, being a little bit provocative or challenging. Yes. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, and they're all, you know, I gather sort of stories from things I read and things I see about sort of interesting stories where humans and animals have come up against each intersect. other. Mm. Yeah, and kind of draw on those as, as um, starting points yeah. for my pieces. Yeah. Yeah. I think another earlier thing for you has been folk and fairy tales, and I think while none of us perhaps realised this when we were four years old, um, they're all cautionary tales, mm. uh, and looking back it's probably surprising that any of us got any sleep after <laughs> being read to before bed, but were folk and fairy tales a significant part of your own childhood? Is that what's... I rise to this? Yes, I'm not sure that they were for more than anyone else, really, but definitely I did um, I did read them, and I think I was very influenced also by the illustrations of of fairy tales. You Often know, very they, beautiful. Aren't yeah, they? Mm. yeah. So um, it all sort of feeds into this, yeah. and it, often they have this kind of darkness, which very you much know, so. Is, mm. It's sort of infused in my own work in, yeah. a, in a way as well. This. I think in 2002 you um, staged a solo exhibition, Straw Into Gold, and it was inspired by eight stories, including The Three Little Pigs, which the pieces from that are now in fact held at Te Papa, I believe. Yeah. yeah. They are, yes. When you were interviewed for your book Wild Domain, The Natural History of Jane Dodd Jewellery, um, you said that the story of Stone Soup was your favourite in mm. that exhibition. Yeah. Why was that? It's such a beautiful story about how when communities work together, they can overcome obstacles. And I think it's a great parable for um, for how we should live our life. If we all contribute together mm. to, to a cause, then... Um, then much can be done. And probably very relevant to our, our situation yes, <laughs> currently yeah, in yeah, life. Yeah, absolutely. In a Viva article earlier this year, you were described as the grande dame of jewellery, <laughs> a description which is obviously very flattering, but possibly also a bit ageing. Yeah. Um, and I say that a bit defensively, given that you and I went to primary school together. Um, <laughs> how do you feel about that description? Do you feel that you've um, reached the zenith of your career, or is there still a lot of work left in you? <laughs> there's heaps of work left in me, and I've and I 
yeah, I, I'm not sure that I feel that that is an appropriate <laughs> kind of uh, name for me. I don't, never really felt like the grand, grand dame. But, well, I suppose uh, it's yeah. for, for, for other people to judge perhaps. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. to mark your accomplishment by yeah. giving you that label. But certainly, yes, I don't feel like my career is anywhere near over. Um, yeah, I'm that's really, wonderful. Mm. So where in Dunedin can listeners see your work, Jane? Um at uh, Moray Gallery, which is in the beginning, uh, start of Princess Street, quite near the Octagon. At the moment, that's the only place in okay. Dunedin, but in um, I have uh, outlets in, throughout the rest so of the country. So people can Google yeah. and let their fingers yeah. do the walking. Yeah. Mm. And recently, um, you've of course had your exhibition at the Dars Art Museum, Dars yeah. Art Museum, which had to be postponed twice due mm. to lockdown. Um, and out of that has come a beautiful book called Wild Domain, The Natural History of Jane Dodd Jewellery. Um, and for listeners, we're going to be putting on our website where people can get that book. Oh, I've, Jane very kindly has given me a copy. It's a very beautiful book and a lovely yeah. testimony to the fantastic work that you've done um, over the years. Overwhelmed by the quality of the of the book, you know, the, the quality of the printing and the, vol- you know, how... Mammoth it is, you I'm know, not and the great, it's just great gorgeous. photographs. Yeah. yeah. Jane, on behalf of the Dunedin Public Art Gallery Society, thank you so much for coming and, and sharing um, your story on Sightlines today. I know I'll be speaking for many others besides myself when I say that I look forward to seeing what's in store for you in the next 30 years of your career. Um, and thanks to you, our listeners, for joining us today. Next month, we'll be talking to Dunedin Public Art Gallery Director Cam McCracken about the major exhibition Tarakatoi, The Landing Place. If you'd like to hear today's show again or listen to previous shows, you can find our podcasts on the Otago Access Radio and Dunedin Public Art Gallery Society websites. Thanks to contributor Ross Curry and producer Jonathan, I'm Sally McMillan and you've been listening to Sightlines. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.